0: I'm Becky and welcome to another episode of the Salty Mums podcast where we explore motherhood from a Christian perspective through women's stories and wisdom to help us remain the salt of the earth in today's culture. So today we have got a really good friend of mine and um, looking back I've known her nearly half my life now which makes me feel a bit old, um, given that it's fifteen years um, since I think I've met Joe. Uh, but we met at Wycliffe Hall, which, if um, you don't know what Wycliffe Hall is, um, it's one of the permanent private halls or um, sort of clergy training colleges at Oxford. I was there as an undergraduate, and um, Joe was doing her BA there too. So a lot has changed since then. But now she's working as a church advocate for the LICC, and she's coming on to talk to us today about her role. Hi, Joe. Hello. How are you today?
1: Um, Yeah, really well. Really, really excited to be here and really excited to be talking about
0: being a mum and being a Christian and what that looks like. Oh, yeah, we're really glad to have you on. How's your morning been? Um, it was a bit chaotic, uh, <laughs>
1: as it often is. So I've got two children, um, Jemima, who's five, and Falcon, who's three. Um, and on Thursday, I do the school run. Um, we got to the front gate, two scooters ready, two helmets on, on time, absolutely winning it. <laughs> um, and there are two ways to get to school. There's a steep way down the hill that's much quicker, or there's the long way along the flat. Um, and we spent at least five minutes with one child going in each direction, <laughs> refusing <laughs>
0: to compromise.
1: <laughs> absolutely tantrum. I want to go the long flat way. I want to go the short steep way. Um, so school was a bit chaotic this morning. Got to school on time, brilliant, um, and then got back. And my three-year-old, um, you know, when you can see a three-year-old just dancing because they need the loo. You need the yep. loo. You need. No, 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 no. I'm fine. Um, and then we got to the loo, and he weed all the way down me, and uh between. Eight fifty-two and nine o'clock. I had to find an entirely new outfit to get into my nine o'clock meeting for.
0: Oh no!
1: So that's just like, isn't it? When you're a mum, like it it is. It's a bit gross,
0: isn't it? Sometimes, (laughs) but
1: But like the joy of children. I mean, there were lots of fun moments, lots of great chaos, and but lots of challenges. And I think, yeah, as as a mum, I've realised you know how you can think on your feet way more. Um always having to adapt and thinking, oh OK, I planned this great outfit for all the meetings that I had today. What <laughs> else have I got that's clean, that's not too wrinkly, that I can wear for the rest of the day? Um, so, But
0: you would please know I was fully dressed by the time I went into my nine <laughs> o'clock meeting, which is great. Oh, dear, the joy of children. And the thing is, you can look back on those moments and laugh, can't you? In the moments, they feel a bit stressful and yeah. <laughs> infuriating especially if you're someone who likes order and planning which is which is me well tell us a little bit more about yourself joe what what are you up to these days yeah so um
1: i've been ordained for all oh, 6 years which is amazing um, and I've been working in churches and um, some in, in Guildford where I did my curacy um, and then up here in Newcastle upon Tyne which is where we're based um, and I now work for the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity which to be honest as a mum is like a real gift of a place to work because we talk about how Jesus cares about the whole of your life and how um, everything that we do is part of our Christian life, part of our um, way of following Jesus and as a mum I've, I've Found that really empowering. So, I'm talking to church leaders about um, how work is a God given gift, whether it's paid or unpaid. And I'm thinking, yes, those moments when I'm wiping bums or um, making a slightly different dinner for everybody because nobody quite wants the same thing. um, Actually, those are moments that I'm doing something that God has given to me. That's part of my calling, that's part of His calling on my life. Um, And no matter how boring or repetitive it feels like when you're sorting socks um, or folding yet another mountain of laundry. Actually, that's part of the work that God has given to me as a Christian. And so it's not something that's like, um, I haven't been to church and done my God stuff on a Sunday and then come away into the rest of the week and trying to work out how to squeeze Jesus into the quiet moments. But actually, he's with me in all the things that I'm doing. And I find that transforming really for how my christian life is um and, and i get to go and talk to church leaders about that so i travel up and down the country meeting church leaders uh, speaking at events and at churches and encouraging people that god is interested
0: in the whole of their life and that just is really fun oh that does sound a lot of fun lots and lots of fun i used to work with church leaders as well in my old job and it's it's fun meeting church leaders you know yeah. they're a real diverse bunch and um yeah I used to enjoy I used to enjoy having a good chat with everyone I think that's probably yeah I didn't always chat about the things I was meant to that was a problem but
1: <laughs> I think I think it's a hard season to be a church leader and so yeah. I always kind of want to go and and hear a bit about people's stories and encourage them because I think there are a lot of pressures, a lot of expectations on our church leaders. Um, do you pray for your church leaders; they desperately need it, and yeah. um, they need your love. But but it's also a real privilege of a job to get to do. So, um, what a joy and a, a privilege it is to lead a group of people as we follow Jesus.
0: Absolutely, there's a lot, a lot of um, uh, burnout, isn't there, amongst church leaders, and um, and then. I mean, I've covered this a little bit in some of the podcasts, but I think there's a feeling a bit of a crisis of leadership, certainly among certain certainly amongst certain sectors of the church at the moment and um yeah it's it's hard and um, we'll come back a little bit more. We'll unpack your of discipleship and calling um stuff later but um you talked a little bit about how you were fairly recently ordained or six years ago now um so it's not that recent but um and in fact i think you were still training when you started the family were you yeah and how was that and what were the challenges and actually it might be good to explain what ordination is because there might be some people who are from different um church backgrounds
1: Um, So ordination is the the process by which you, um, in the Church of England, you become like a vicar or a priest and it's got a kind of training phase, uh, usually about three years and then a kind of almost like an apprenticeship stage, which is a curacy where you work with a vicar or church leader. Um, to learn how to do all the the important skills of life, um, running committees, funerals, weddings, baptisms and um, how to do all the services and those sorts of things. Um, and then you go off and you you if it's all gone well, you run your own church and you're a vicar. And um, so, yeah, so I did that. It took me a long time because I interrupted it with um, maternity leave. So I did. Uh, I got pregnant with Jemima towards the end of my last year as a and ordinand, which before you get ordained, the first phase of training. And um, I, I was pregnant and I had hyper um which, oh, no, no. <laughs> which is like oh. a lot of vomiting. And so I spent a lot of my pregnancies um, basically trying to not vomit in front of my congregation, which was always a challenge. I did, I, during my second pregnancy, I got out of doing the 8 a.m. service because I think after throwing up like having to leave halfway through running communion, just going through app and then come back. Um, oh, we decided that perhaps <laughs> that wasn't the best use of my skills. Um, I had amazing, amazing people in my church who were so gracious about it. Um, but they had to juggle this curate who would occasionally just go a bit green and pop out for five minutes and come back
0: oh, in again. It's um, so debilitating. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I only had like a bit of morning sickness the first 12 weeks but that feeling of sickness um chinny in our first episode of season one actually talks about her experience um and i think she was she had uh one occasion when she was um interviewing rowan williams on a zoom call and wanted to vomit the whole time and i think sort of had to crawl on her hands and knees after the after the call just to get to the bathroom she's so exhausted I think from not vomiting but um how oh, are you pausing yeah
1: I can I can definitely relate to that feeling um my ordination service which is like the big service at the end of your first part of training um which you have in a cathedral with all the bishops every time someone asks me about it I think the main thing that I remember is thinking, these bishops are wearing beautiful embroidered gold and white clothes. And if I throw up on them, <laughs> it will be awful. So I remember almost nothing else about my ordination service except sitting there thinking, don't throw up, don't throw up,
0: don't throw up. Oh, bless you. What a story that would have made, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone has been talking about it for years, Joe.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it's something
0: that I would want them to. No, that's fair. That's fair. And um, so, so what were the? Well, obviously, yeah. Hyp, um, I can never remember how to say Is it. Hyper de, Hi, hyperemesis gravidarum. Yeah. Um, so that was one challenge. Were there any other challenges? Like, what was it?
1: Yeah, I think I think the adjustment of going from being. Um, like me to being a mum in the church was huge Um, so it's all the little things that you don't expect like I'm suddenly breastfeeding in front of my congregation. I'm being discreet about it, but actually, I'm due maternity leave, we're still going to the church. So you're kind of working out all those things of being a new mum, but still slightly in a way where people are watching you. And they, I mean, they're amazing. We're so beautifully supported by our church. Um, but you're kind of working out lots of those things about your identity and you're processing that huge journey about becoming a mother but in a really public space um we have this school that used to come in for like a, a Christmas service and the first time they came in I was like heavily pregnant the second time the second year they came in they were like oh hi nice to meet you I'm like I'm the same lady who was here last year I just got <laughs> pregnant this year It was around <laughs> this year yeah <laughs> I was around this year and then the third time they came back one of them was like oh it's lovely to see you weren't here last year I was like no I'm I've been here every year. I just wasn't pregnant last year. So they <laughs> recognized me and they came back in with a bump and um- so that was, that was hilarious, but there were amazing opportunities. Like I felt that God opened doors. So um, being pregnant and a vicar through people's expectations. So I had some yeah. amazing conversations and um, sometimes like in, in the hospital, in the waiting room, waiting for my midwife appointment. When I'd be sitting there with a collar on, cause I just come from something and you'd be talking to people and you get an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Um, with this amazing opportunity, did a funeral at the Creme, and um, one of the humanist celebrants just kind of initiated a conversation about a pastoral situation she was facing. I think because I didn't fit her box of a traditional white male vicar, because I was slight like, little round ball of pregnancy, um, <laughs> and I did feel like a ball... When I was pregnant with Jemima and and so you get these amazingly weird opportunities because you're you're kind of you're safe somehow um so that that always felt like a privilege um but a very weird juggle at the same time
0: yeah I can imagine and do you think because obviously it's like a big a big change for men when they become fathers as do you think it's, do you think it's the same for dads in who a similar stage of training to be because it's you or do you think it's just because women are still not the norm as such as lead church leaders
1: i think it's i think it's probably more pronounced for women because it's more obvious you know you're slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger if you're having if you're having children by pregnancy rather than by adoption and they're sort of with you journeying and then you suddenly disappear for this period of time where you change role you become just part of the congregation rather than being the leader um and so i think then it, it's very hard you can't help but notice it whereas for men you know they might nip off for a couple of weeks of paternity leave but they're less likely to be turning up at stuff with their kids <laughs> And so, I think it's just a bit more hidden, although I think for men it's a huge transition, yeah um, but often one that isn't isn't as well supported because actually people don't see it. I know Josh had his two weeks of paternity leave and then went back to work and they were fantastic, but it, because it's hidden you don't I think you don't get as much processing time, probably,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So you've done all the work to um, get ready to be a vicar and now you're working for the LICC, which is a great is great, by the way. I used to um, love going to their talks and everything when I was living in London. Um, what led to the change in career direction? And did you expect that change or um, the closer you got to ordination or as you had kids did it become more apparent that you needed to change direction? i think
1: it's an interesting question isn't it? how does god guide us into these places and um, i think i came through ordination knowing that i loved the people of god and um, that i love speaking to, telling people about jesus for the first time and i love encouraging people in their walk with jesus and a lot of those skills and gifts that god has given me fitted with ordination and so i came Came through ordination, loving what I was doing, loving the people I was with, Um, but never quite sure quite how God was going to work that out. And I certainly haven't ruled out by any means being a a vicar of a local church, Um, but it felt like in this season, God was saying, focus on your family while they're little and while they're young um, and make the most of it and a lot of work as a vicar happens either in an evening or on a weekend around other people's work but when you've got small kids that's that's when they're around as well and so i was really open to being a vicar but god sort of opened these doors particularly to come to LICC and to work in the team here and um, and it felt like a really good use of the passions and the gifts that he'd given me. I think if I ever go to be a vicar, then I'll be a much better one for having worked with LICC. And, and I love encouraging leaders. Like that's one of the things that I've always been passionate about. Um, and I'm a bit of a networker. So like knowing people in all sorts of places and it felt like this job just absolutely played to my strengths and um, and you never know, do you, where God's going to call you next. Like it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar, particularly as a job that I was looking for. But, but when, when it came up, Josh and I both saw it and we both said, both had like noted it, saved it in our phones. It's like, this would be a good job for Um <laughs> And we were on holiday uh, down in Swanage and uh, just spending some time with friends, hanging out on the beach there. And while we were there, on the same day we'd been talking about this job, one of our friends who works for LICC walked past us on the beach and we're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, so we went up and said, hi, oh, hi, it's great to see you, um, and just chatted to him and said, look, I know it's a really random question, but if I applied for this job, how do you think it would go down if we didn't move from Newcastle? And I only came in to the office a little bit less often than other people. And, and actually I was almost commissioned to be in the Northeast and to be building the work that we do up here. And he said, sure, sounds good. Go for it. I think they'd be open to that. So kind of taking his encouragement and taking that, that unexpected moment as a sign that God might be doing something here. We um, we went for it. It was amazing. So it wasn't really
0: my plan, but it seems to have been God's plan. That's awesome. That's I love, I love those stories where I pass cross or, or things yeah, the doors open. um I was thinking of Maria von Trapp. When God closes the door, you open the window. Um, I feel like um, I spend my life going through the windows. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but and, and knowing you, Joe, you'll be very positive about this, and and you know you, you're you're such a ray of sunshine and whatever. But. um I'm really conscious that there are a lot of male vicars with kids and families and we've talked about it a little bit from like a identity perspective um, for whom having a family isn't a barrier to being a church leader um, and I just wonder what your thoughts are on this and is the barrier for you that the role of the church that the role in the church needs reforming to be more inclusive of, of, of women or I mean you've talked a little bit about a lot of it's just a personal choice for you but is there a balance there? I think it's a really big challenge um, and
1: I, as I look at my friends her guys her vicars and um, I've got lots of them I've been to theological college twice I've got loads of them and um, what I see is often a spouse who's flexing hugely to, to make sure that they can accommodate as a family um, the strains and pressures of parish life um, and I'm married to an amazing man who who really did that for me you know all the things that you need Um someone to look after the kids on a Sunday morning when you're leading a service and um, someone who's able to be around in evenings and put the kids to bed you know, three or four nights a week. He did that and he was incredible. But I think it is a, it is a big pressure on any family to have someone who's working irregular hours. And that's not, not just the case for Vickers. Um, it's the case for lots of careers, isn't it? That it, you have commitments in the evening and the weekends and, um, and, and on one level, I want to say, yeah, the institution needs to change. But I don't know how much it can can change because you, as a vicar, you need to be available to people when they are available, and that's outside of the working week. And you can do lots of amazing stuff in the daytime in the weekdays, but there's a limit to how much you can do that. And so I think there is there is a challenge for the church about how do you do that for people who want to be very involved in family life, men and women, actually. Um, and how how do we serve the people of God well, and also honor our families and love them and and make sure that our kids don't feel like they're always having to sit in the second position after church. Um, but I don't think that's a I don't think that's a challenge unique to vicars. So um, the family I grew up in, both my parents are doctors, and I remember many an evening we would. Uh, it's a long time ago, but um, we'd go down to the hospital to pick dad up from work and he wouldn't quite have finished his clinic. So there we would be in our pyjamas doing races around the waiting room, under the chairs and over the chairs and <laughs> <laughs> causing absolute pandemonium. Um, in empty, I should say empty waiting rooms, not with lots of sick people around. Um, but, uh, but there are lots and lots of careers where you've got to do that a bit. Um, and some of those might be, well-paid professional careers where you've got an opportunity and um, to sort of buy in other help or other things that complement some of those are some of the people I work with they just don't have a choice they're on a low wage and those are the hours that are available you know working in hospitality and um, friends I've got who are working in theatre that's just the lifestyle and I think that's always more difficult for women if you want to have
0: kids yeah yeah absolutely it's 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 hard isn't it and like sometimes even having this conversation about um getting balance or you know being able to be flexible is a is a position of privilege isn't it and a lot of people don't have have that choice or or um yeah opportunity to to find that So moving on on that note, how do you find the balance between working life and motherhood? And and what helps you with that balance? Um, I
1: I think one of the things that helps me when I manage it is to try and lay down some of the guilt. Because I think there's this expectation that we put on ourselves, what culture puts on us, certainly social media adds to it, that you can be the most amazing mother and always present and always attentive to your children and also have a massive full-time career that brings in loads of cash and which you are excellent at your job. And I think sometimes we're just, we're okay. Like I'm okay at being a mum sometimes. Um, Sometimes I'm maybe not even that good at it some weeks. Um, And sometimes I'm just okay at doing my job. It doesn't mean that I won't be excellent sometimes, but that, that kind of expectation that we have to be superhuman um I'm trying to lay that down and I don't always get it right um and to to recognize that there's a juggle and I think as my kids grow up explaining to them actually like mum's got to go to a meeting now but I'll be around later um, and recognising that sometimes my house is chaos and that's okay. And um, It's okay if there's a week where we're a bit stretched and it's a bit, it's just not quite gone to plan. Um, Josh and I have this love, Josh is my husband, we have this really helpful language of like, it's a green week, it's an orange week, it's a red week. Um, and now we've introduced the concept of a black week, which is even worse than a red week. Oh, wow. <laughs> In which we just, we're just like, okay, so the house is going to be chaos. Yeah. Um, Or what are we going to drop because it's a black week we're not going to manage everything so let's not worry if we're having fish fingers and chips more regularly this week than (laughs) normal um let's not worry if you know the washing pile is growing this week because next week we can deal with it um and so just trying to to do some of that stuff almost that you might do in business actually where you recognize the pressure points but recognize that happens in our home life as well and um, and to be to try to be kind
0: to each other in that absolutely and and do you is there a space as Christians for better supporting one another in that and and those outside the church who are working mums or stay-at-home mums
1: And um, so I think I think there are a couple of things that I would say about that. I think as a church, often um, we put on really good activities on like a Sunday. And we think that's looking after families. So the, the crash is great or the children's work is great. And I think I wonder how we can go beyond that to go. Actually, how do we build communities where people are loved and um, Church is amazing for that because you've often got friends who are single or who are couples, um, older or younger, who, who can do life a bit with you. And I think that's fantastic. And um, Friendship is really key here. Um, and I think also just just having reasonable expectations. Um, so, you know, it is challenging for families to get to church. Um, for families to serve at church is like another level. Um, and so I think we should... We just need to be really encouraging of people where they manage to do that. Um, and Yeah, I mean, I think the church, we're supposed to be a family, right? We're supposed to be the family of God. So we need to model that to one another in how we do life. Um, And that sometimes means when someone comes around, we don't have a cup of tea together, but we unload the dishwasher together. Um, Because actually that's what as a family we need to do this week or I go around to someone's house and I, I wouldn't necessarily expect to sit down and spend all my time and um, listening to them. I have some amazing mum friends who like who taught me that it's okay to be mums who just hang out in each other's house you do a bit of chores in my house I'll do a bit of chores in your house the kids will play um, and we'll do community together like that rather than having friends where you have to turn up and life is already perfect and the tea is all set and you're kind of walking into this highly hosted experience, but to walk into the reality of life with each other.
0: Yeah. I love friends like that. Where you just, you kind of go, yeah, the house is a mess, but take it or leave it. And, yeah. um, yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, about, um, church for families being more than sunday morning and i have to say helen who was the other um presenter on the first season and um, she and there's another helen who's they're both family and children's min- ministers at our our church very confusing but um, <laughs> um but they're a great team and they have created an amazing children's and families ministry at our church and um one of the things that they've started in the which they call the hub on a tuesday afternoon which is sort of aimed at um like key stage one early key stage two children um and it's a cafe set up with toys out for the kids and I usually help out on the craft table one of the leaders goes out and lets the boys all run around and have a game of footy And I say boys because it is usually mainly boys. Sorry to be stereotypical, but that's just the way it is. Um, And um, it's just a place of community. And like a lot of the people who come don't come to church on a a Sunday, but it's just a place that mums who've maybe had a busy day and can't face going back to their house or flat or whatever it is can come with the kids and the kids can have a good run around they're in a safe place they've got new things and um i know um both helens have built up some amazing relationships those mums and being able to then dive down into their lives in, in a deeper way and and help them out um with some really tough life situations so um yeah
1: What matters doesn't it that 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 sense of being known as a person and valued as a person um and a recognition that in this particular stage of life which doesn't last forever what you need is is to kind of be able to sit and have a cup of tea with someone watching your children do something safely and actually they'll be really happy yeah um and that you you know you've still got the chores waiting for you when you get home, um, yeah. but you know that you've got other people who are journeying with you who get what it's like. And I think that you know in a culture, the culture that we live in is so often um, lonely. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of research and conversation about that recently, hasn't it? But there's just like an epidemic of loneliness. and yeah. um, and the church can really speak into that and say, "Look, you're welcome as you are." we want people to get to know each other we want to get to know you warts and all and we want to love you where you are at in your journey Absolutely. And it's so freeing you don't have to turn up in your best clothes looking amazing and totally successful but you can just come and be part of something and yeah I think that's a
0: real gift that we've got as a church to give to the world Absolutely, absolutely, and creating those fresh safe friendship groups as well, isn't it? And, um, we had a Wednesday morning Bible study group when my little this is pre COVID, and we had a WhatsApp group to go with it, and it became a real, a real like lifesaver at points for 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 all of us in different ways and it would be like a place of prayer but it'd also be a place of asking questions between one another of is this normal what do I do about this behavior um and then sometimes just purely asking for practical help I mean I um I put on a plea one day because uh, when Henry, my youngest, was five weeks old, um, we had we went to the GP and he'd had a temperature. He seemed quite unwell, but basically it turned into he needs to go to hospital and he needs to be blue lighted in. You can't really take your eldest son with you, um, particularly because at this point they didn't know whether it was sepsis or meningitis, so. I just sort of put this SOS on the text and within five minutes appeared one of the mums who swept up George and looked after him until Gerald could get back from London. Um, and I think if you can extend that out as well to to non, non-Christian non friends and things like that, so it's a real witness, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: does. It
0: and
1: it's that, it's that sense of being able to pitch up for people. Um, and actually as church family, we're often really good at that that for each other Um, and that's something the world is really lacking like people that you can ask something of um you can say like that like i urgently need someone to turn up now can anyone come um or know I've got this thing I could I've got two kids but I can only take one of them with me my husband's not around because he's at work or whatever actually to have people you can ask um and we've got amazing people in the church that we're in at the moment who who do that kind of thing and you just think what a gift that is um what a gift it is to be able to say actually I I just can't do this on this day um because I'm a bit uh, you know whatever's happened um and so can you come and help me? And actually in a the church, there's something about it's okay to be vulnerable, to be real, that actually you have needs. There's lots you can give, but there's sometimes things that you need. And it's a safe place to ask. And and people are very generous in their response and giving.
0: Absolutely. Or at least it should be a, a place that it's okay to be vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's we've, always but, yeah, uh, we've we've all had those moments haven't we where we've realized that we've been slightly more vulnerable than people wanted us to be yeah. and they've perhaps
0: not responded that kindly um, absolutely but it's a work in progress yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit more about um in, in detail mm-hmm. about the lic uh, l-i-c-c I need to put my teeth back in um, and who they are and what what role you're doing with them Um, So the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity um, is an amazing
1: organisation set up by John Stott um, and and kind of has grown over the last few years. Uh, And basically our vision is um, to, to encourage people that, discipleship happens everywhere and that the people of God sent out into the world are the best news for the world that we're in because we have the opportunity to bring Jesus with us wherever we are and whatever we're doing Um, and so we do all sorts of things we do research we do teaching and courses and make resources and to help people realize that uh, God isn't confined to the building now that might sound incredibly obvious and but it's amazing how often when you listen to sermons or you you talk to people, being a Christian is sort of confined to what you do on a Sunday morning and maybe at a small group or a youth group in the week. And the teaching is focused on that. And what we want to do is encourage people and envision people for Monday to Saturday life for the rest of the week for what God is doing. We want to say things like, work is good, and it's something that was given to us as a gift from god and that doesn't mean that work is always easy after the fall work is hard right it's hard to till the land and make things grow there are lots of challenges in it but god gave us work to keep us busy and that's good for us to be creative to be involved in that beautiful process of making something new and in that incredible process of restoring things and to what they should be and and i think as a mum, i see a lot of that so there's a lot of creativity as a mum, whether it's problem solving or um (laughs) picking new outfits out for the kids or um, finding new things that you can make out of Lego, which seems to be every day in our house at the moment. Um, And there's also that work (laughs) of restoration. thats like tidying things and cleaning things and getting them back to what they should be so they can function well. And that might be my children, um, but that also might be like my house or those sorts of things. It might be relationships. It might be restoring relationships as a mum. And so we get to be part of that mission that god has for the flourishing of all people and um, and it's a really hopeful vision it's a really encouraging vision and um, we do a lot of work with um research around us sort of 18 to 30s at the moment and one of the things that we're noticing is that um That young people are not interested in a religion that they feel is kind of a tick box exercise, a turn up on Sunday, you've got your holy points for the week, off you go. They're interested in things that give them purpose and meaning that are relevant to the whole of life and that have integrity. And we want to say that's exactly what Jesus is like, that he is so relevant on a Monday morning in a board meeting or on a Tuesday afternoon and doing the washing up. Um, that he is part of that and that the disciples grow in all those places. You don't just grow as a disciple because of an excellent service on a Sunday morning. You might, you will. We hope that we long that people grow in these places. Um, But actually the rubber hits the road when you're out in the
0: world and Jesus Mm. is with you. And that's how do we help people to grow in those places? Absolutely. And I think this is why I partly wanted to to do this podcast was that recognition that, whatever your experience of motherhood is, whether it's working or not working, whether it's having your family around you and helping you out every day, or whether it's actually very lonely, whether it's going through grief or um, tragedy of some sort, you know, whatever your experience of motherhood is, God is in it or can be in it. And, and, yeah, how, and how to bring him more into it, really, and and or to see where he actually is, because I think sometimes it's hard to see him, um, in in the chaos and the repetition and the, the sometimes just complete drudgery of motherhood or exhaustion of it. Um, when you're on your knees and on survival mode almost. Um, you know, after having like an hour's sleep or something like that and feeling yeah. ill yourself. But um but he is in it. And um um and, and I, I want to talk about how we can do motherhood better as as Christian women. Um yeah obviously it's important um and you talked a little bit about discipleship on a Sunday morning and it's important for the church obviously to talk about the good news and be evangelical but is there a danger sometimes that preaching on a Sunday morning is focused more on um, the good news and the evangelical side and discipleship and like talking about how you can be disciples Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday can get a bit lost sometimes.
1: Yeah I I would say that as someone who's um, been guilty of that in my sermons um, but also It's very easy if you're in full-time church leadership um, to, to just forget about the world around us um and i think well when i think about some of the things that are marks of disciples so maybe pick the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control never have i learned learned, joe i know (laughs) (laughs) but never have i had to practice them more than as a mother (laughs) you know that patience like please put your socks on please put your socks on
0: and it can take five minutes to get a pair of socks on No, Five minutes. Twenty-five, Joe. Twenty-five shortly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm optimistic. Um,
1: but that patience and finding joy in those moments. Um, I I've definitely got better at that as a mum because I have to, I have to get better at that, I have to get better at negotiation. I've got a five-year-old who's either going to be the prime minister or run a law firm. Um <laughs> I I negotiated with her last week. Um, Could you tidy your room? I'll pay you a pound. £1.60. Wow. Okay, straight away, like no thought, just straight in with a negotiation. Um, That's impressive. She did not tidy her room, so she only earned 40p for the work that she did. So um, (laughs) I'm not going to try that one again. It wasn't a successful negotiation technique. Um, But those things that are, different to the world show up a lot in parenthood and um, and i notice it at the school gate so i've got i've got um friends who'll talk about their kids as a little and i just think or they you know they just love with you and you're like i just never talk about my child like that um and so trying to model something different trying to be something different um and trying to be someone who loves my children like God loves me, always falling short of that. Um, but trying to do that actually is really growing me as a disciple. I don't have nearly as much time as I used to have to sit and read my Bible and do long, lengthy, quiet times. <laughs> but I'm having to put into practice what I've learned far more. And so it's a different phase of growing as a disciple. Um, and I'm finding that I have to rely more on the scripture that's in me. Like That's great, wasn't it? I quoted some um yeah but but I have Do to a lot better on... than I would. That's... <laughs> uh, yeah, there was one summer that we learned that in our in our kids' camp, so that was helpful. Um, but I have to rely more on what's already in me and then work on manifesting that more than I'm working on um, absorbing new stuff. Certainly in the first few months of a new child, there isn't a lot of headspace. you can't learn a lot. Oh,
0: no. No. It's um, baby brain for a start isn't it it's just yeah. you're all about this little baby in your arms um yeah yeah
1: yeah and you can listen to a worship song or you maybe manage a podcast or a couple of verses a week but you it's not your season for like digging deep into new no. information but it is your season for living in the in the image of the one that we're following as you try to be as you give everything that you have of yourself to someone else in that beautifully Christ-like way, you know, you're giving up so much of yourself to get this other person going and established. And I think not missing that that is part of our call as a disciple is really important because it can feel like, well, certainly for me, it felt like, Oh, I'm just this mum in a room on my own doing nothing as I sit here breastfeeding and changing the 10th nappy of the morning. But actually that that kind of framework shift that says, no, this is part of the work that God has called you to as a disciple. This is a valuable thing, even though you're not like getting scripture into your child or you're not doing anything glamorous. <laughs> actually, this is the work that God has called you to in this season um, and that he's delighted that you're doing it. And I think sometimes, particularly mums, but, but definitely dads as well, need to hear in those early days when it feels like nothing is really being achieved You're just keeping someone alive actually that's the work God's called you to and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's his work um that you're partnering in with him and you're not alone even though you can feel lonely that he's with you um, and I think I'm very grateful for the people who reminded me about when I had little kids that you are not alone that God is with you that he sees you in that place where it just feels like it's you and a squeaky baby he is with you in that um and that he delights in you and the work that you're doing and I think that's a really important thing to hold on to yeah
0: it, it is and I'm going to throw a slightly difficult question at you Jo um because like I think we are both people who <coughs> even when motherhood is really 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 hard we still take a delight in it. But I don't think that's always the case for some women. How, how do we... Yeah, how how do we reach out to those those women who, you know, it might be Christian women, might be non-Christian women, who actually feel it really is just it's not what they're being called to and they just don't <laughs> know why they're in that place. Yeah. I think that's really
1: important. Um, I've got some friends who've decided not to have kids. Um, and I've got another friend who's, these all Christians, um, who's had a kid. And she's like, I'm going back to work as soon as I can. I'm done with this. I'm going to pay someone else to look after my child. And I think there's a danger in a church that we don't value and respect those choices because they are choices. Yeah. Um, and I think for some people it's just not you're never going to be able to give the best that you have as a full-time mum and and if you know that you can't do that then I would really say that's okay you know it's okay to work out how being a mum or how being a parent looks for you and it and you need to do that with without feeling guilty so I talked about this a bit at the beginning yeah and um, But the guilt is really destructive. Um, If the best mum that you can be is by having a nanny, be the best mum you can be and get a nanny to help you. If that's the position that you're in, do it, and do it with confidence, um, and then give your best. And if you are, I guess, a bit like like us, Becky, someone who um, is used to using their brain, and you love doing that, don't feel guilty about that. Um, my mum is, she's an amazing woman um, and she worked quite a bit when we were kids. She was around for us a lot, but she also worked. And I think she was a better mum uh, because she worked and she had spaces that were not full of us. And that's not that she wouldn't have been brilliant, but actually she's so smart and she's so capable and she so loves her job that actually having both of them gave her more life than if she'd been at home with us until we were. know all 18 and i i wouldn't you know if you find being a mum hard make sure that you're coming to it out of a place that gives you life so do what it is that you need to restore you and to fill you so that you're coming into those places ready and prepared and full of life and full of energy don't if, if it's a possibility for you and it may not be financially, but don't feel that you have to do it the way that somebody else does it um, because it works for them. Um, and for some, for some people, you know, you might be one of those mums who loves being at home, can't imagine anything else would never like the idea of going back to work is almost impossible for you. That's okay as well. God will use you in a different way as a mum. And I think you know, being a mum is tough at times, even when you love it, it's tough. And so you need to work out how do you do that well? And that means looking after yourself a bit as well. That means having time to be with Jesus in the way that works for you. That means maybe asking things of other people that allow you to not go crazy um, and to just to get to a point where you can't cope anymore. Um Yeah, and so I would, I would want to say to you if you're feeling like being a mum is tough or it just doesn't give you life, and well, God knows that and He sees you, um, and He's completely aware of how hard it is, and and look for ways that you guys can flourish. If you've got a partner, and talk to them about it, work out how can you between you do this so that everyone gets the the best option that they can have. That will be perfect. Absolutely. Because um, it will always involve sacrifice. But what's the best thing?
0: How can you flourish most as a family in this season? Absolutely. And I I I think this episode goes really well with one I recorded, I've recorded earlier with Laura Mears, who's she's a leadership coach and she talks about um the five personality voices and but she applies that to Christianity and how we're all part of the different body of Christ. We all have these different strengths, these different—you know—we've got to step into how we've been created to be, to be that part of the body in the body of Christ. And so, I think these these two episodes very naturally <laughs> oh, go alongside. <laughs> <it.
1: laughs> There's something there not there, about um, like looking at what someone else does and going. And in the early days, it might be about something like sleep training, like that person does this really, really rigid sleep training. They do it like that. That's how they do it. It absolutely seems to work for them. That person over there, they do this like really relaxed and formal, like baby snuggles on you, co-sleeping, and it really works for them. And you're trying to work out how do you how do you do it? And one of my friends said to me, um, look at them, learn what's good from them and take the bits that work for you. So if you're a massive structure person, structured sleeping is probably gonna work for you because that's natural in your personality. But if you're like really kind of go with the flow, trying to suddenly become someone who has massive structure when you're exhausted and you're sleep deprived probably isn't gonna work for you. And so it won't work for your baby. So how do you like look at things, evaluate them, recognize that's great for those people but something else might be what you need and um, and do that i think the same is true with like do you go back to work do you yeah. work part-time do you work full-time and um, do you have help in the home do you use nursery do you use a child mind like it's okay try things try them for a season if they don't work mix it up again and um, children are amazingly adaptable and they're really happy to try something and then try something different Absolutely, you you need to
0: be healthy as a parent, don't you, to um, to be able to parent well. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And it needs, yeah, like you say, it needs to feel the way that you're doing it. Needs to feel part of you. And um, I discovered a new term the other day: a a scrunchy mum. Apparently, I'm a scrunchy (laughs) mum because scrunchy mums like pick, um, like they'll they'll, like like you say they'll cherry pick from things. So, or but they'll sort of be a bit flexible about it so like for me i quite like structure but i can be flexible i tend to make sure my children eat mainly quite healthy food but i don't mind the odd fish fingers um you know so it's like a you sort of sat somewhere in the middle between the the two extremes and you'll pick between the two of them so um uh yeah i'm a scrunchy mum but um what was i gonna say but yeah absolutely you need you need that Um, being healthy and I I put out social media posts this week actually because um last week I basically said to my husband "I, I need I need a break I'm I've been ill I'm just tired and I'm peopled out and I'm and I'm quite I'm usually quite an extrovert but I do like my introvert time as well and um the there's been this really good post going around oh sorry it's a fly flying around me um by um oh uh, what is it called um oh something motherhood like risen motherhood that's it um about how like rest for instance we always I think we often talk about that in motherhood perspectives of putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first so we can help our help our kids. But in this post they point out actually no, you are made for rest. Like it's God made you with the need for rest he he has rest he rests on the seventh day and and just how important that is to to build in into being a mum and not being afraid to ask for it when you need it um and that can be hard sometimes can't it? I think the expectations especially I think if you're a stay-at-home mum because I think some people view it as, oh, well, you're, you've not got any kids three days a week. Do you just, you just sit and put your feet up for three days a week, do you? And I'm like, no, that's not what I do. <laughs> um, but, um,
1: yeah, I think, I think what you say about rest is really interesting because I think often we go, oh, God rested on the seventh day. Um, and he did, but actually for, for humans, they rested on the first day. So every, so they were made and then they yeah. rested and so then everything they do flows from rest and I think often we go like yeah put the oxygen mask on but that's like a panic response isn't it like you only yeah. have an oxygen mask when you're in a crisis um, and actually we need to be people who just breathe in the air who are just having the rest and um, we talk we've just done a um, a prayer series on this at LICC on working from rest and I think this is really important that actually we're coming out of a place of rest into the work that we do uh, and there'll be stages of parenthood that that's easier to achieve than others like when you're in the sleep deprivation that that seems like a kind of a mythical goal working from rest. but we all know that, don't we that when we are exhausted. We can never give people our best. We're never functioning at our best. And actually trying to work out how do I get to that rested place? What gives me rest? What gives me restoration? Um, And Josh and I, in our marriage, we talk about both being rested and recreated. So what can I do that gives me rest? So I've had enough sleep. But also what can I do that recreates me? So that might be going out for a walk. That might be, um, I went to an art class a couple of weeks Ooh. ago Josh just put me know. on he's like you're going to an art class on a Monday evening I was like really sat in silence that. with strangers for two hours drawing and I felt really recreated like it had restored something in me and yeah. um, so like what and even just looking in your daily life like what recreates me gives me life mm. how can I work that in I might not be able to get more sleep in but can I get in things that that recreate the me yeah um and that might be just taking a little bit longer, making a meal and making it beautiful. That might be um, just nipping out for 10 minutes for a walk. Um, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of writing for work and I find that I you know, can write for so long and then I need to get out and have a walk. And that's not, that's not not working. That's part of the working for me is going out and having the fresh air and then coming back to it fresh and recreated. So it might just be 10 minutes around the block. But... It lets me come back to it in a fresh way. And it means that I work better when I've sat down at my desk again. So how Absolutely. do we, how do his parents squeeze in? It might be a weekend where you get rid of the kids or so that might not be achievable. So just thinking like, how can I
0: rest and recreate? Yeah, that's a really good um, distinction between the two. I like those. Um, what does being equipped as a mother then look like for being salt and light to non-Christian friends and what topics might we be missing within the church to equip women in that?
1: <laughs> um, it's a great question. I mean what does, what does being salt and light look like anywhere? It looks like being rooted in Jesus doesn't it? Like we need to be people who keep going back to the source and and as mums how do we do that well sometimes it would be um we have to sometimes be a bit creative like if you can't have the the quiet time that's often the kind of the thing that's exalted in church as a deep time of growing closer to Jesus how do you find those moments and and I think mums are incredibly resourceful like you you work out how you can get a little bit of what you need to keep going so, take those moments where you've got worship music on in the car, or um, you're listening to a podcast, or you're doing your Lectio 365, and um, even if you only do half of it, um, or you do half of it in the morning, and then sometime later in the day, you finish it. Taking those moments to be connected to God, and then I think so much comes through our conversation you know as as mums we're often in these amazingly intimate conversations with like some other random woman at a breastfeeding clinic or uh, at a toddler group and someone says oh yes my marriage is going down the pan and you're like oh hi we've known each other for three minutes and our children are the same age you know gluing stickers on at the same table and and there are those moments where you can just be something different something refreshing um and then there are there are the ways that we speak about people and the ways that we love people um and i think you know some of the parents i've alluded to at the school gate and um, friends from nursery they're lovely people but the way they speak about their kids is is very different to the way that i would speak about my kids um so how do you even in that be salt and light how do you offer hope and inviting people to church stuff is great but may not be the right thing for your friends so what do you invite them to and inviting them to your home it's massive and being a community builder is incredible so we live on a street and we've got to know some of the other families on our street and I think partly a personality thing, but my children are probably the only kids on the street who will just wander up and knock on friends' doors until they find someone who'll come out and play with them. Um, But but being that, being people who've got open doors and who are ready to welcome people um, and ready to share what life is actually like with the people around us as a parent there's an amazing opportunity to do that in a way that is quite weird if you're like a single person if i was if i'd moved onto the street on my own i started knocking on people's doors with kids just saying hi can i come in and chat that would be really weird
0: (laughs) it would be quite weird
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. i did not do that um but jemima going up the street and looking for someone to come out and do biking with her fine yeah yeah absolutely yeah you have these opportunities don't you um Mm -hmm. And to love people through all sorts of things. And being a young parent is hard. Lots of our friends' relationships are broken up. Um, How do you love people in that? You know, when life is really painful. um, There's a family on our street that the mum just died overnight. How do you love people in that? Um, We've got friends who've just adopted their second kid, they need a different kind of support and love because the challenges they're facing are a bit different. Yeah, and This, you know, they have a, they started no children and then suddenly overnight there's a child and then overnight there's another child and they, they kind of are jolted into parenthood in a way that when you go through pregnancy, you have time to adjust. How can we be like radically loving to our friends who are in this situation?
0: Absolutely, well, Joe, I could talk to you for hours. We'll probably talk a bit more after we finish yeah, this actually <laughs> but um thank you so, so much for sharing all your wisdom and um thoughts and experience it's been It's been really lovely. It's lovely chatting to old friends on this um so I will share on the show notes the link to the LICC and um, some of your social media handles. So if people want to get in touch with you or LICC, um, they can do. Um, can I pray for you before you go? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And just to say, I absolutely love to hear from people as they're working through some of these challenges. So don't be afraid to get
0: in touch. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for Joe. We thank you for her passion, for just sharing your love and the joy that she has found in you. And um, we just thank you that... I'm just really reminded of um, Philippians 2 where it talks about um, how we we shine like stars in the darkness and Joe is one of your brightest shining stars. She just is such sunshine. We thank you for that. And we pray for her work with church leaders. May they be receptive to what she has to say and um, uh, receptive to the idea of more discipleship for their um, congregations um in the wider world and that that means that we the the people that they are um teaching leading become like shining stars amongst their colleagues or mums or friends or whoever it is in your name we pray amen thanks becky thank you so so much joe it's been an absolute pleasure
1: it's my, it's my pleasure. It's a really fun way to spend a morning.
0: Oh. <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Remember, all the links that we've talked about today can be found on our show notes. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do remember to hit subscribe if you haven't done already. And even better, you can help us reach a wider audience by giving a quick review on whichever platform you're listening on. See you next time. Bye.